0: The Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: Hello there and welcome to another edition of the Cambridge Film Show, broadcasting here on Cambridge 105 Radio across the city in South Cambridgeshire. Thank you, as ever, to Ian Ian. Dayborn for the last hour. But now, as it's a weekend of ghosties and ghoulies and things that go bumping tonight with Halloween just around the corner, let myself and our critics share with you some of our views. We are going to cover some scares and some screeches, but we're also going to cover some unexpected romance, the cruise trip from hell, superheroes and loving Donkeys and lots in between. And if we have time, you may even throw in our own top tips for Halloween viewing after you've watched Strictly Special Tonight, of course. <laughs> I'm Emma Marchin, and with me today are Spooky Stuart Pax. Hello. Yosie Otherworldly o- Osman. Hello. And Voodoo Vicky Air. Hello. <laughs> And we have a feast of seven films today, casting our eyes and ears over DC's latest attempt to achieve a superhero franchise that works by casting the ever-popular Man Mountain, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, as Black Adam. Martin McDonagh's follow-up to three billboards over Ebbing, Missouri, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, and latest satire from Swedish auteur Ruben Ustland, Triangle of Sadness. We have a stop-motion treat from Halloween king Henry Selick with Wendell and Wilde, another Netflix serial killer story, but this time through the Danish eyes of Thomas Lindholm, with The Good Nurse, and finally, of course, as it is Halloween, some inventive Airbnb horror with Barbarian. But before all of that, let's take a fresh look at the hallmark genre and indeed the rom-com with Billy Eichner and Nicholas Stoller's Bros.
2: Hey, guys, it's Bobby Lieber coming to you from the future home of the LGBTQ Plus
0: Museum. Everyone is really excited and totally getting along. This happens to be Bisexual Awareness Week and no one has acknowledged it. Lesbian
3: History Month was in March. Nobody said a goddamn thing. Of course,
0: lesbians get a month and we get a week.
1: So what's happening? Didn't you guys have an announcement? This is a little unexpected, but we are in a thruple situation. You're in in a thruple? Let me tell you what's progressive now. Being alone. I love my life. I love my freedom. I love my independence. That's kind of sad. That I don't want to be in a throuple. I don't even want to be in a couple. That was part of the trailer for Bros, the new rom-com from Nicholas Stoller, the man behind Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and Billy Eichner, my personal favourite from Parks and Recreation, but also well-known for Billy on the Street. Written by the two of them, starring Eichner and directed by Stoller, Bros tells the story of Bobby played by Billy Eichner, and Aaron, Luke McFarlane, actual Hallmark alumni, singletons with commitment issues in present-day New York who meet cute and then have to try and make it work. Yossi, it's just you and me on this one. We saw this. Yeah. Um, it's landed in the UK with disappointing box office in the US, which Eichner recently quoted as being because, this is his words not mine, straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't turn up. Would you say this is true? It, you know, this is a queer romance. This is with an exclusively LGBTQ plus cast. But, you know, is that enough or does it need to stand up as being funny all by itself?
2: I mean, I, I I can't comment um on behalf of the LGBT plus community, but I can talk about it as a film. First of all, I think I think it's the first major stu- major studio release with an entirely LGBT plus um main cast which su- surprised me in 2022 to be honest and as a rom-com I think it does I think it does the job for me there was a lot to digest um it, it it it's 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 really great to see something about universal love and I'm really I really enjoyed that but in terms of its narrative there was quite a lot going on and I think that might be quite difficult to take for some people. It it just a lot of the strands didn't all join together in terms of the plot. And if you're looking for a rom com, it's got that kind of easy feel for it, but it, it it's 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 quite a lot to
1: take in. Well, I think part of that possibly is due to Billy Eichner's own sort of style anyway. He is a Sort of, he's a borderline manic performer, I always think, even though he's toned, toned it down. I mean, like I say, when he used to pop up in, in Parks and Recreation, he was really, I mean, he was, he was absolutely, you know, the level of kind of like turned up to maximum. And in this, he's playing a sort of, it almost feels like a fictionalised version of himself because he is running an LGBTQ plus Museum in New York which and, and they there is I found there was a lot of fun I, I did greatly enjoy their board meetings you, saw, you heard some of that yeah. in the trailer with like Jim Rash because you know they've got a bisexual they've got a trans female they've got a lesbian It's you know the arguments amongst themselves and this idea that you know Billy Eichner and Bobby himself wants to bring in the final exhibit to be the fact that um, Abraham Lincoln was gay <laughs> and then Jim Rash is like well I think you're fine he's bisexual and that was there are laughs to be had but also it's very much a sort of a. Of, of of the Hallmark movies. Like I said, they've cast Luke McFarlane here who made his name as a Hallmark hero. You are a massive is it you or is it Ash who's a massive hallmark? I,
2: I am a bit of a hallmark.
1: And did you not laugh at things like when they sort of said the a holly Polly, Christmas or whatever and the fact that these hallmark films were becoming so sort of over to the, you know, so LGBTQ plus friendly?
2: I think it's interesting for me watching it because I was watching it and I recognised people like Jim Rash and T.S. Madison who I love and I was like, this is amazing. So I was really enjoying it and I think it is trying to subvert perhaps what we see in sort of Hallmark comedies. And 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 I like I kind of liked Billy Eichner in this because yes, he's very neurotic and but that's that's his shtick and he's owning that and he's saying this is who I am and he kind of makes that he makes jokes about himself in the film and Knowing knowing having watched a lot of Being on the Street and obviously being a huge fan of Parks and Rec I kind of enjoyed that and I didn't mind it and I I, I think that was
1: to the film's credit. I agree. I was also thinking that um Nicholas Stoller obviously his probably his biggest hit before this is for, for getting Sarah Marshall yes. and he's worked quite a lot with with um Jason Segal, and in some ways, Billy Eichner is not dissimilar to, to, to like, to, you know, as you say, kind of neurotic and, and maybe not classically the best looking, whereas obviously, Luke, in, in this, that, that is. This. But I thought it was a really fresh take as well on gay sex and romance. And I thought they didn't shy away from the fact that that is different from. It, it is different from um, heterosexual, the way that maybe heterosexual romances traditionally work. And I like that.
2: It's very open and very honest in terms of. LGBTQ plus relationships and how not everything is the same. And I think, again, when I was saying about Billy Eichner and how he owns that, it, it's a very upfront film. And I still can't believe we've not seen a film like it and it's 2022, but it's it's a really refreshing film to see that take on the rom-com and to just be, you know, there there is a lot of, you know, gay sex scenes, you know, talk about gay hookups and romance. And it was it was really cool to just see that just up front and you uh, know uh, yeah i can't believe we've not seen it before
1: to be honest yeah you're, yeah, you're, yeah i think i think that's a really really good point and you know and, and it's maybe a slightly sad indictment of the world we live in this is the first time we've seen it i would you know, as a straight person who did what? What was his quote? I did turn up to. I was going to see. It. I would really. It was very sweet as well. There are a lot of zingy one-liners. You know, they they've the the the, the writing partnership. I think of Billy Eitner and Nicholas Stoller works well together, and it did make me laugh out loud at least. I'd say ten to twelve times, which is not bad news for a comedy for me.
2: And there are great moments. You know, the the joke about Deborah messing um, when she turns up a couple of times uh, is really good, and it's just. If if you're looking on on the pure basis, if you're looking for a comedy, this is a funny film, and I did enjoy it. Well, yeah, and I'd say we we were
1: talking about this before we came on air. This is a mix. This is a right mixed bag this week, and we're about to review The Banshees of Inner Inisherin, which sort of you know has been described as shudderingly funny on some of the posters, but I'm not sure I would take that personally. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a, a, an easy going and very sweet romantic comedy with a lot of heart, I think you could do a lot worse than Bros this week. It is a certificate 15 and is showing at the light and the view. So, as just said, let us now travel back to 1925 Ireland with Patrick and Colm, who are both navigating friendship and fiddle playing. Colm, Sonny, Larry didn't you and he used to be the best of friends we're still the best of friends no you're not who says we're not
3: sit somewhere else
0: now if I've done something to you just tell me what I've done to you when well, you didn't do anything to me I just don't like you no more you didn't like me yesterday why does he not want to be friends with you no more
1: why is he 12 what the hell's going on with you me feckin brother he's Donald Siobhan
3: But he's always been done. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite, it was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening.
1: Apologies for some of the Irish swearing in that. Um, multi-award-winning playwright-turned-filmmaker Martin McDonagh has been away from our screens for five years following his Oscar-winning three billboards over Ebbing, Missouri. He returns with the stars of his 2008 classic In Bruges, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, playing old friends Colm and Patrick, Patrick, Patrick on the insanely lonely fictional Isle of Inner Sharon. One day, Colm announces that he no longer wishes to speak to Patrick. Throwing years of heading to the pub at 2 pm into the ether. Paul Patrick is left confused for a while, but eventually it leads to bitter and unexpected consequences for both of them. Vicky, I have never seen in Bruges, which I'm aware means I should probably be sacked from this, from this position <laughs> right now. But I presume you have and mm-hmm. did the chemistry set the screen on light on you know, set the screen on light for you again with yes, this? Absolutely. They
3: are a wonderful pairing. Um just Colin Farrell and Brennan Gleason. They are just well incredibly matched on screen and watching in Bruges, you know, it's a it's dark comedy as well, but it's but this is different. This film is, um, it's still got all those really sarcastic awkward moments that is famous in his films, but this is a bit more touching to home. I feel like there's, um, whereas in Bruges was more. Um, it would. it's not reality as and you definitely know you're watching a comedy film this is very much there's a lot of emotions in this as well between the two I feel like this is a developed pairing um, compared to the rest of his films I would definitely say
1: yeah I was um, yeah watching this I was thinking about the fact that obviously Martin McDonald started off in play you know he was a playwright I think at one point he had four plays running in the West End He is one of our most successful Playwrights of recent years, and this felt very much like a play Mm. to me or play like to me. I mean, it's filmed. Gorgeously. I don't know where they fi- I don't know, so I don't suppose you know where they filmed it. I, I don't know not. what stands in for like I say mm. this fictional isle of inner Sharon, but it's it, it's it's filmed with this, you know, with this gentle kind of mm. melancholic look and so few touches of colour. Mm. Um, there's a beautiful performance from Kerry Condon as uh Pedrick's sister Siobhan who is trying to escape off this island. Mm. And when she actually goes to leave for the last time, there is this she wears this just glorious yellow coat and yellow tights, and as she walks kind of into the mist, of the, the just mm. a grey grey and green of Ireland. I, I was just struck again at how beautiful that was.
3: Um, mentioning just about the plays,
1: this is definitely, now that you've
3: said it, I can just see how this flows as well. Like, it's definitely placed in axe, and then it's, like, mild to begin with, and it just develops to this full frontal end, and now it's, like, very... I thought it was really dramatic to watch, but now it makes the pacing makes so much more sense.
1: Yeah, it's stable. I, I must admit, it's really stayed with me. As I said briefly in the intro, one of the posters does, in fact, the main poster for it, mm. it does say shudderingly funny, mm. which I think came from a Telegraph review, which says shoulder shudderingly funny, which actually makes a bit more sense because it is the kind of thing that will make your shoulders perhaps yeah. shake, but you might not be laughing out loud. But I think that we both found it really pretty you know pretty bleak and really very sad
3: very very sad i definitely came out with this um i th- obviously there was so much laughs to be had in this um the four main characters they definitely gave like incredible performances even a mention kerry condon i haven't seen her much before but looking at her and um, filmography she's been in like all the avenger films for the past few years and i just don't know who she plays so i'm guessing it's someone quite important that I've just missed.
1: A, someone under a load of, of CGI? Maybe we should yeah. ask Stuart. Is Stuart. Even Stuart's eyes are rolling <laughs> madly. <laughs> thinking, Do I know? Do
0: I know? I'm going to refer to the uh, IMDb briefly and I'll come back to you on that. <laughs> um
3: insane. so, um, yeah, the four of them, they are, I mean, obviously uh, the main two are incredible, but there's just so many well-added characters. And just a shout-out to Barry Keegan as i well. I don't think there's one role... Having not seen the Eternals, <laughs> um, he he has he's always delivered to me, and um, this is just like the perfect
1: kind of role for him in my eyes. Because I- yeah. I can safely say he is probably the highlight of the Eternals yeah. and everything for me from oh, oh, the, the killing of a sacred deer mm-hmm. to Chernobyl. He briefly popped up in mm-hmm. a couple of episodes of Chernobyl and was just a standout. And playing Dominic Keanienis, who is a kind of slightly simple late teen who's living in the in, in the village and has mm-hmm. an abusive, you know, he has his, mm-hmm. his, his son of the abusive, both physically and emotionally abusive policeman. But there is the most glorious scene where he sort of declares his love for Kerry. Kind of much I, I generally older. shed a
3: tear because yeah it was just so heartwarming. and there's many scenes in this film i was sat next to a stranger in a very packed screening and i felt quite bad for the amount that i was uh crying <laughs> um Colin farrell i think has given like the performance of the year for me there's like there's something uh the way that he's placed the pub scenes in this um because honestly this is heartbreaking like is the trailer kind of spoils for you, it's almost to think about if your best friend turned around to you one day and was like, you're just boring. And I if, if felt like if I heard that, I'd be heartbroken. And then, yeah, his, his heartwarming de- declaration of Frenchman love to Brendan Gleeson, this is something that I'll probably remember and definitely in the top 10 for me.
1: Yeah, it, and like you say, cause it, 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 like we were saying earlier, it goes to places you wouldn't necessarily expect. Mm. and It goes to some pretty bloody places as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is, you know, this is not for the faint-hearted. It made me think as well, perhaps, of how much we all looked inward during the pandemic. And maybe we came to this conclusion we didn't have enough energy. You know, that, that mm. a lot of our energy pre-pandemic had been spent with time that we didn't want to, with people we yeah. didn't want to be with. And, and But, you know, he's so brutal about it, Prendergast, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. But. You know, because he's Brendan Gleason, he can you know, he, he gives you that sympathy for him as well. But I agree with you Colin Farrell was spectacular in this. And I'm famously, it's taken me a long time to get on board the Colin Farrell train. <laughs> but he is just, this is the most beautifully realised performance from, like I say his confusion at the beginning where he just seems so amiable to where it takes him to this yeah. kind of core of steel that he has and I'm rooting for him throughout the whole film and it really
3: shows the kind of dynamic that small towns have because this tension seems completely normal in the places that it goes and what it delivers which is like you don't expect you don't expect it to actually go the full way and you really what whatever fantasy, like, it, I know it's not fantasy, fantasy to some people, but I really felt I was there, and I felt like, Siobhan, I was like, I want to
1: get out of here yeah. by the end of the film. Well, I think she has the best line, doesn't she? She's like, oh, fantastic, one more depressed, you know, one more depressed, insane person on this island, mm-hmm. great, one more yeah. miserable man, you know, to A silent be-
3: man, because men don't talk, apparently, in this aisle, they're just in the pub, and then she, it's really, like, a realisation, you're like, wow, you just don't want that, like, the kind of energy, like, I did feel when she left, I was like, well, that the light of the film gone um
1: in yeah in it and turning to stuart our local uh, M- mcu
0: expert uh, carrie condon was the uh, voice actor who provided the voice of tony stark's second ai friday
1: oh, oh
3: there that we was go. across
0: several films on-
1: <laughs> Well, it's very nice to see her in the flesh. Um, yeah, I would. I like I say, this film has really stayed with me. It wasn't what I was expecting. I went to go and see it at Haverhill, and I think I was the youngest person there by about twenty years. But it was a crack. It was a big turnout mm. because you know, obviously Martin McDonagh, following on from Three Billboards, which was you know award winning and, and lauded. This is you know we've waited five years for a follow up, mm. and I think this is probably close to perfection if you are a fan of his and if you know if if, yeah if that's your jam you are going to just love this so the banshees of inner sharon is a certificate 15 and is showing at all cambridge cinemas now we've just briefly heard from Stuart, so let's move on to our superhero of the week my son sacrificed his life to save me
3: powers are not a gift but a curse born out of rage
2: Ah! This loose cannon needs to be locked down before
3: innocent people start getting hurt. He's been asleep for 5,000 years.
2: You find us a cell that can hold him, we'll take care of the rest.
1: Who's on the team? Dwayne Rock Johnson has been cast as the latest superhero in the DC universe. The world's highest paid actor, I believe at one point, I'm not sure if that's for this film or just in general, but he just certainly was at one point, stars as Black Adam, who I think, and Stuart is going to correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's sort of been hinted at as a baddie in the Shazam yeah. franchise. So, yeah. He was bestowed with the power of Egyptian gods and then promptly imprisoned for 5,000 years, Pretty. and now he is awake and ready for vengeance. Is that Anyway, you're going to give more a better description to me because I have to admit, there's seven films this week. Black Adam did not make the cut for me, unfortunately. But Stuart is always ready to give chances to all our comic book adaptations. Has this helped the DCEU inch any closer to MCU levels of
0: heady success? In a nutshell, not really. Um... <laughs> I went not even saw this quite optimistically. Um, you know, it's got the rock, the rock front and centre, the, 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 the film, which isn't a prequel, but it's the same sort of, um, so, same vein of, of, of heroes and sort of hero and power bases and family is, is Shazam, which is out in 2019. 2019, uh, that Shazam was charming. It was very funny, very witty, and it was probably the best film in the EU to date. Does Black Adam share that same charm? no they've gone down the uh the 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 gritty anti-hero um path and the rock is best known for some of his more charming performances i feel and he doesn't get the opportunity at all in this film to to display that
1: That is funny, because actually one of my questions I have written down was, is The Rock's natural charisma and charm enough to carry this? But if they're not even writing him in with with that kind of charming, then they've really missed a trick, I would uh, suggest.
0: I mean, they've they, they on paper, they have some fantastic casting. Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam, uh, and even Pierce Brosnan as Dr Fate. That was inspired casting. But the problem is the script is weak. The script is it's empty. Um, there are too many characters introduced over the course of the film, and it really should focus on the rock as the as the sort of the vehicle for this movie. Um, and, and and it suffers kind of in the same way as as the MCU's Eternals does. Is is that there's too many people being introduced at once, and you don't really get an opportunity to care for any of them um and and some of the performances of some of the people whether it's just the script and lazy directing i don't know but <sighs> i left underwhelmed and in this screening of the cinema when i stood up to go to the loo partway through because i felt comfortable enough that i could without missing anything important um a couple walked out of the showing so that's the first time i've ever seen people walk out of a screening of anything ever wow
1: um, well, that which is a pretty damning, which is a pretty damning indictment. I'm just looking at who wrote it, and interestingly, it seems to be kind of co-written by three screenwriters, none of whom seem to have worked before, and they all seem to have very different styles. One of them worked on the Mauritanium, one of them worked, you know, one of them worked on Rampage, you know, another kind of rock vehicle. So it does feel like maybe this is a case of sort of script writing by committee, which some of these big. Franchise and can and fall conform, guilty, can fell of, and I, yeah, it would seem that you've you've got to. I think we've talked about this before. Why Marvel was so successful, I think, in so many cases, was just really sharp writing and sharp, and that ability to turn on a dime from kind of comedy to pathos, incredibly well. And I think DC have been renowned throughout the, you know, through for everything really for either be, being too dark or too gritty or just not sharp enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, where Marvel have really got it nailed, and it really helps the fact that they're just owned by Disney now. And and Disney, they know how to make a good, charming film. They know how to make something that's going to rake in the big bucks and still be a decent movie. And they... They own the actual Marvel brand. They own the the, the artists, and the writers. They pay their salaries. So they, if they ever want to get someone to help writing a script, they just go to the people who write the comics.
1: Yeah, interestingly, actually. Now I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but I'm going to go with Jame Colacera, who is the because he's Spanish, so I'm going to guess Jame Colicella, who is the um, director of this. His last thing that he directed was Jungle Cruise, which was that big Disney vehicle, again for The Rock, which came out during the pandemic and was trying to be sort of Pirates of the Caribbean. But in my opinion, was one of the most CGI heavy, just generally... The paint by numbers, charmless movies of the whole pandemic. I mean, I know you know it's difficult to film stuff during the pandemic, but they could have made it look better than they did. Do it was, it was just such a waste of both Emily Blunt and um The Rock. I thought. So, I mean, any words to say about the direction of this at all, or is it just irrelevant because the script's lumbering and there's no charm?
0: <laughs> if if you really are desperate to see this film, there is a post credit scene at the end which hints to perhaps a light at the end of of the tunnel. So uh, James Gunn, um, who was, um, I think it's James Gunn, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I'm right, of Guardians of the Galaxy fame, yes thank you, Um, he's basically been signed on by Warner Brothers um, to basically own the DCEU going forwards and to basically be their answer to Kevin Feige effectively. Um,
1: Well I think that is a very big light because obviously Suicide
0: Squad was a whole heap of fun. Exactly, precisely. But um, there are there are a lot of funny things out there on social media at the moment. Um, just saying, what a challenge he has in store for him with Warner Brothers being so prescriptive in what their vision of the universe will be. Will they really slacken up the reins enough to let him do what needs to be done to make these films successful? Yeah, I hope so. I'm interested to see what happens. But I am sceptical.
1: And is there a rumour that we might be seeing the king of all nerds and your own personal favourite, Henry Carville, returning to the screen as Superman? Because I think I did see something on his social media, so I don't think that's a, that's a spoiler particularly. I Yeah. And is that hinted at in this film, or is this and this will be hopefully under James James Gunn's
0: tutelage? There is a big hint. I'll say no more.
1: Well, let us hope so, because and let us hope that, like you say, they because I think James Gunn, you know, Gunn is in the galaxy is a two films so far. Two films. I'm so excited for the third one as well, and for the Christmas special. Two films of utter comic book genius yeah. and Suicide Squad, although slightly you know ramped up the adult content, was also really good. So let's hope that he does bring something special to the what what is it again the the, the <laughs> the DCE DCEU. Yeah, the
0: DC expanded universe. Catchy catchy.
1: Okay, so Black Adam is a certificate PG13 and is showing at the light and the view. Okay, it's time for a change of direction, and we are going to take a trip under Captain Woody Harrelson.
3: So is this casting for a grumpy brand or a smiley brand? <laughs>
2: So it's a grumpy brand, yeah?
3: Congratulations! Show me that Balenciaga look. Suddenly, I'm dressed in something way less expensive. It's H&M. Yay! Balenciaga and H&M.
2: Balenciaga and H&M. So what do you do? The success of a luxury
1: cruise depends on you. It's always, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I command you, enjoy the moment. I don't want to hear anybody saying no. No? No? No. (laughs) What? Swedish director Ruben Ostland has... Hillary, the modern wo- art world in the square and modern gender politics in force majeure and in Triangle of Sadness he turns his eye on the world of the super rich and Instagram influencers. As you heard in the trailer there, Harris Dickinson plays Carl, a male model who even in his mid-twenties suspects that his best days are behind him. Because the title, by the way, the Triangle of Sadness, refers to the spot between your eyebrows where they suggest that maybe he should be getting Botox at the tender age of 26 when he goes to a casting. His more successful model girlfriend Yaya, played by Charlby Dean, scores them free tickets for a cruise for the Uber Rich on a $250 million super yacht. And this is where the horror really begins. Now we're gonna turn over a bit because I'm the only one who got this is a long film. I'm the only one who saw this. <laughs> so I'll sort of yours is gonna ask me some questions.
2: A little bit of a switcheroo here for, for this one. Um Emma, I <laughs> I don't know if you've seen many of, of Utland's films before, obviously Force Majeure and The Square. Um, He's quite well known for his social commentary. Me being entirely subjective here, he's a little bit of a cynic on things. Um, Do we see that a lot in Triangle of Sadness? Yes, completely. I haven't seen either. I've heard about... Because Force Majeure, they
1: were both Swedish language, I think, the Square and Force Majeure. And this is his... This is his feature-length English language debut, but it is packed full of a very sort of European cast. But Force was you obviously they remade as a as an English language film, I think with Will Ferrell and Julia Lewis. Yes, Dreyfuss. they did. I can't remember what it was called, but it it wasn't as good as the original. I can imagine. No, he, you know, this is, I mean, my goodness, yeah, he is he he does not shy away in this. This is two hours and twenty-seven minutes, and it's told in three chapters. So you start off with this. Argument that apparently Ruben Ostlund has said is based on a real life argument that he and his wife had, and it's Carl. Like I said, Carl and Yaya, these beautiful models. They've gone out for dinner, and even though Yaya is the more Um, successful at this point and earning more money, she just automatically expects Carl to pick up the bill. And this argument drags on and on and gets more and more ridiculous until it's framed, literally, with her standing in the lift at the hotel and the doors are just going back and forth. But he won't get in the lift to continue the argument. He just stays outside and keeps opening the lift doors. And it gets... It it is ridiculous, but it's also... I think we can all recognise some of the insanity that perhaps we've had in our own relationships and arguments at that point it's very cleverly done then you move into the main chapter of the you know, main part of the film which is chapter two where they end up on this yacht where you, you know Woody Harrelson is a big name on this film yeah he is the captain of this yacht he's clearly having some kind of alcohol induced breakdown he's a Marxist that feels like he's a terrible Marxist because he has too many possessions and this yacht is peopled by the worst of the super rich so you have like I say you have Carl you, you have Yaya and Carl who are you know, in themselves, just permanently taking... At one point, he's taking pictures of eating pasta, but she can't eat the pasta because she's gluten intolerant, but obviously it's all for her followers. You have a couple called Clementine and Winston, who are sort of very elderly english couple who have got their money through dealing through arms they call it you know we've really managed to secure some of the democracies of the world by supplying all our landmines you would call them landmines and you have a you have a russian guy who's made all his money in fertilizer and is there proudly with both his wife and his mistress these people are despicable and it, it, it's almost too on the nose like i said to you i i There is the the set piece, and you said that he is famous for his set piece. The set piece in this is a 15-minute scene when there is a storm aboard this yacht and there is just... It's vomit. Not since Mr. Creosote, perhaps, we have seen such kinds of levels of this. And I had to watch that through my fingers. So, obviously, we get it. Excesses are terrible.
2: I mean... Talking about the set piece, I mean, I've seen The Square, and there is a set piece in that film which I still talk about to this day about how much it disturbed me. This director likes to disturb people. What I'm trying to, what I'm wondering here is if he is perhaps favouring the effect of disturbing, disrupting over actual meaning in his films. A pe- Perhaps,
1: like I said, this is a this is a this is a, a long film. There's a marvelous scene as well when obviously you have the uber-rich coming onto the yacht, and then you have the entirely it felt like below deck on steroids. Obviously, you have the, <laughs> the, the entirely white crew who are being G'd up by their boss. A brilliant performance from Vicky Berlin playing Paola, who's like the chief stew, and it ends up with them all. Just, you know, she's like, you know, we've got to be everything they want. We have to give it to them because at the end of it, you know, what are we going to get? We're going to get a massive tip, and all this crew just started yelling money, 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 and then it takes you downstairs to where the where everyone of colour who are the toilet cleaners, the, you know, the, the, the people who are keeping the engine going, they that's the next level down. So, you're, you you know, you're talking of levels and levels and levels within society and then something happens to, to change that all around. And there are some glorious performances from um, Dolly de Leon, who plays the chief toilet cleaner, Filipino chief toilet cleaner, playing Abigail, who comes into her own in the final act. As I said, Vicky Berlin, Woody Harrison is not in it much, but his scene is glorious when he takes over the microphone while this terrible storm is happening just to sort of <laughs> dictate, Marxist dictates down the um down the microphone. It, it, it's joyous and what is one of the saddest things as well is obviously Charby Dean, who plays Yard, the South African act, uh, actress, died of an infection out of nowhere the night before this premiered and that is a real loss because she is just it's perfectly pitched because you have an odd kind of sympathy even though she's clearly not very nice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um and that, and that is is really sad. I I've just got one more question just in terms of for, for, cuz I hadn't really heard much about this film until we said we were going to cover it for the show today. It is a is it is a satire. We've talked a lot about the social commentary, but in terms of its comedic effect, does it do enough there? <sighs> I did lo-
1: I mean I laughed there was someone in it, there was a, a girl who sort was of sitting along the same row as us in the cinema who were absolutely with howling with laughter all the way through so it certainly is speaking to some people like I said I had to watch a large part of it through my fingers because I found I found the whole physical physical stuff so triggering but um yeah, it, it, it might be. That my, my main comment would be, I think it's a little too long. I think it's a bit self-indulgent. I think, he, you know, the, the point is there and we get it. And, it, and you know, he's saying that and I guess this is in other films as well. He holds the camera for such a long yes. time. So you, there are scenes which are, you're just so awkward. And he's, he's a master at doing that, of just holding it on these faces with their expressions and and you in the audience are just like oh this is this is just so uncomfortable so it's too uncomfortable really to be a flat out comedy but I did laugh a fair amount and I came out just feeling a bit like I'd been sort of hit around the face by by some sort of force of nature which wasn't exactly what I was expecting but at the same time it certainly you know makes for a cinema experience you don't get very often
2: Thanks. Thank you. I, I think I'm turning back to you now. <laughs> I was going to say, so yes, go,
1: go, go, go see it. Triangle of Sadness is a certificate 15 and is showing at the Arts Picture House. And I, yeah, I would, I would highly recommend.
2: Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: 1960s Cambridge Manfred Mann performed at the Corn Exchange the Hollies were on stage at the Dorothy Ballroom and the Beatles played live at the Regal Cinema
2: on Sunday mornings John Gannon takes you back to the swinging 60s
1: with music and memories John Gannon's 60s scene Sunday mornings at 8 on Cambridge 105 radio listen live on radio player
0: if you're a business owner or HR manager, you're always looking for ways to lighten your load. Someone to keep contracts and procedures in line with the law. To give you expert advice on all those tricky employment issues you come up against. So you avoid costly disputes further down the line. At Woodfights, our employment support service is built around you it. qualified solicitors on hand to guide you through the critical legal issues which affect the day to day running of your business. Get clear and expert advice. Visit woodfines.co.uk or call 0344 967 2505.
1: Are you suffering from buffering? Find yourself screaming, not streaming? Or do you just lag behind? Then it's time to demand better broadband. City Fibre is building a brand new full fibre network across the UK, giving you access to broadband from a range of providers that's more reliable and up to 20 times faster than average. So you can stream, game and video call without interruption. Get connected to full fibre today. Choose your provider at cityfibre.com slash Cambridge 105. Cambridge 105 Radio. Sorry, I gave, a little bit of the, uh, I gave a little bit of the tune for the end away there with my excitement by trying to hit the second indent. You are listening to the Cambridge Film Show here on Cambridge 105 Radio with me, Emma Marchand, Yozzy Osman, Vicky Eyre, and Stuart Pasch. We have approximately, I'm going to say about 18 minutes left and we've still got three more films to go. So let us crack on with our streaming choices for this week. <sighs>
2: what's going on just you know work's been pretty awful without you there you and i were partners
0: i know i don't want to talk about work is it because what they're saying is true
2: so how are the girls
0: they're really good but I'm working a lot. You still owe me for last Friday. But it can wait, really. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Nurse 50, sorry about that. Thank you. Bye, Bye, you guys. Nurse Loughran, this is Officer Braun. Do you remember Anna Martinez? Yeah,
2: it It
0: was sudden.
3: Mind taking a look at this?
0: Huh. The insulin in her system, it's a double medication error, which is really rare.
3: We understand that you work with a Charlie Cullen
1: netflix's latest starry big relief sits in its firm comfort zone of real-life crime adaptations telling the story of charles cullen played by eddie redmayne the notorious serial killer who killed up to hundreds of patients at the turn of this century whilst working as a nurse at various hospitals across the northeast of the usa but it tells his stories through the eyes of his colleague and friend amy louton who was the person to cooperate to bring to finally bring him to justice played by jessica chastain Yossi. As I just said, Netflix has found a groove with real-life crime, as we well know over the last few years. You only need to look at the huge success of the somewhat controversial Dharma miniseries. But it has been accused sometimes of sensationalism over sensitivity. Does the good line work, walk this line more successfully? The good nurse, sorry.
2: Good I can't line. talk about Dharma. You know very well, Emma, that I am not a fan of anything to do with serial killers, true crime. I, I find it really disturbing and I I I genuinely don't watch it. Um the good nurse is cold. It's clinical. It is a chilling watch. Um but what I liked about it was that it's not insulting us as an audience. It is very clear that Colin is guilty from the very beginning. It is very much about, you know, it we are not made to sympathize with him at all. And I actually think Eddie Redmayne here is perfectly cast as Charles Cullen. Um, I think he does a really good job of playing this kind of sinister character, even when he's being friends with Chastain. I mean, I love Chastain so much, so anything she's in, I will appreciate. But I think if we're talking about the the, the subject matter, it to its audience, this is, this is not insulting us. This is doing quite a good job of just saying... Charles, C- Charles Cullen was guilty, he did really terrible things, and he needed to be published. Uh, actually, one thing I would say, what I would have liked to have seen more of is the institutional effect. There is some commentary here around how the hospitals that Charles Cullen worked at before knew he was guilty of something quite sinister, but didn't do anything about it. And I would have liked to have seen that delved into a bit more. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. This is directed
1: by um, a Danish director, Tobias Lindholm. Now, I haven't seen his feature stuff, but he most recently made a six-part series that was shown on the BBC called The Investigation, which was based around the real-life, again, a real-life police investigation when the journalist Kim Wall was murdered by the Danish inventor above, above aboard his submarine. And it is a brilliant piece of work. I cannot, I cannot stress that hard enough because it is a... a it's a real pay on to, to her as a the victim. They do not sensationalise it. You never, they don't, they don't even get anyone to play the murderer in this. It's just about the police procedure and how hard they work to get that guy to, you know, to, 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 to get that guy to confess to murder, if you like. And this is what I thought about this as well. It felt to me a little bit more like sort of films like Spotlight or these grown up kind of police procedure films. It's, you've got Noah Emmerich, you know, um, from The Truman Show and other sort of great things popping up as, as one of the police officers. And the other guy is. I'm trying to find his name because I didn't recognise him, but I really, really Lamdi liked him. Lamdi Asamuga. Yeah, really. I thought they, those are the police officers. Great. And a lovely term from Kim Dickens, as you say, as the hospital administrator who knows something is up and is not letting them, when they finally get an internal investigation from the, from the hospital, it's like two pages and they're like, this is ridiculous. So it comes down to Amy, who obviously Charles has befriended because she is a struggling single mother with a heart condition herself. And I think that the term, when she realises quite what he is capable of i think that the way she's trying to a cover that up because obviously she's worried that something could happen to her and her girls because she's allowed this man to get so close to them i I thought that was it's a beautifully delicate performance by jessica chastain as. She is so often, but also I agree with you. Eddie Redmayne is is almost perfect casting for this because there's something quite sort of devoid of personality there that, it, that works really well.
2: It's one of the best things I've seen him in, to be honest. He really works in this kind ca- and and some of the scenes that are particularly chilling are where it's just him and Chastain. The scene in the restaurant, where she's trying to get him to confess to his crime so that he can be arrested there are moments of it takes its time this is a slow burn of a film but it kind of needs to be um and i really thought their performances worked and and also you gave a shout out to noah emmerich and and and, um namdi um asamoga as the police officers that really kept this film quite grounded in the seriousness of these crimes as you were saying before earlier these can be these sorts of Dramas can be really sensationalised, but this felt really honest and, and and true to 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 what we're talking about here.
1: It did, and I think what it did really well as well, it did not really make it didn't sort of delve deep into why Charles Cullen did these. because I don't he's never come out. But and he's said never why. said there's why there's he did it. One mention at the beginning that he he you know he lost his mother in hospital, and there's an incredibly chilling scene of the first victim that we know that he's killed, and he's and he's cleaning. The body ready to be picked up by the fat and it, it, you know, it's done with such. So th- th- that was th- that was very chilling to me. I thought that that I'm very well done, but yeah, I think they do an excellent job in not sensationalising this at all. It doesn't matter why he did it. The fact is he did it, he did and it. they needed to find out because you know it was. He, I think in the end he admitted to 29 murders, so he's serving. You know, he's not eligible for parole to like 2403 or something, but it could have been hundreds.
2: Yeah, they're saying it could be up to something like 400, and um, I think you know what they're showing really well here is he is in a position of trust as a nurse and he let a lot of people down and he did horrific, horrific things and it's not trying to fluff that up for the the sake of entertainment. This is a dark film. It's not an easy watch. It wasn't for me anyway. And um, so I would say if you're going to watch this, know that, but it is also... It is also... Quite important to watch it because you—it's revealing something. I mean, how, nine hospitals he worked yeah.
1: at. Yeah, and he managed to get to another one every single time. And yeah. like you say, they only touch on that, and it would be interesting to know the reality. Why these? I mean, obviously, hospital, you know, because hospital—you know—because the particularly in the U.S. and this is also touched on. Of course, with Jessica Chastain's own medical problems, the U.S. medical system. It's just so, so difficult, so wrong. So many things that are wrong with the American, with the American medical system, and so the, the, the hospitals are closing ranks to protect themselves. It's interesting you said it's a cold film and clinical because I think you're right. It's filmed in incredible. It's filmed through very chilly colours, yeah. chilly lens. It's a chilly time of year Anyway, anyway there's very little colour in this film, and really, in some ways, very little hope. But I think it's a yeah, I described it as a grown up film. I think it is a great it's not an easy watch. It's a grown up film. It's a serious film, but I think it is a rewarding watch. And I think, in fact, I was, and, and like I said, I was ple- I'm pleased to see it come out on Netflix because I think it maybe goes. I haven't, I'd like to make it very clear, I don't watch much true crime stuff either, but I think it maybe goes against what Netflix, you know, Netflix has sort of made its, its, its name in this sort of like a same, might be slightly grubbier and sensational stuff. So I think this is a really good film that they've made here. Totally agree. Excellent. There you go. Well, the good nurse is the certificate fifteen, and as we've just said, is streaming on Netflix. We are going to stick with Netflix for now, and it is a Halloween treat by the from, sorry, the singular brain of Henry Selick. <laughs> I know what you are, Cat. You're a hell maiden. But it has to be our secret. That's how I can protect you. Protect me from what? Your demons. For his first full-length feature since the sublime Coraline in 2009, Henry Selick has teamed up with comedians Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key. Co-written by Selick and Peele, Of course, he himself is now one of the US's most successful and prolific recent directors. And based on an unpublished novel written by Selick, Wendell and Wilde tells the story of Cat Graham, voiced by This Is Us alumni Lyric Ross, a spectacular black goth teen heroine who fell into bad behaviour after being orphaned at eight and is now at a sort of fancy Catholic girls' school on a community outreach scholarship with green hair and this kind of awesome Gwen Stefani... like a 2004 wardrobe. But what she doesn't know at this point is that she's also a hell maiden with two mischievous devils in the underworld, Wendell and Wilde. Now, Vicky, I feel that was a bit of a super complicated synopsis, and I'm not going to lie, I found this quite a complicated movie, particularly one that I guess is, you know, aimed at families Mm -hmm. and children. Um, There's a lot of facets. There's a lot going on in this. Did it manage to hold your attention?
3: Um, Yes, but that's because I feel like I was in a... I needed something easy and spooky to watch. And this is like an easy, spooky film for me, but that's because I love... um, I think uh, when I was younger, Henry Salick particularly... Um, reached out you know he had nightmare Before Christmas, he had the corpse bride and these are films that definitely have developed me probably as a person and when i watched this i was like thinking throughout i was like if i was a kid watching this is just different and it's like introducing his animation to like a new generation of people and it's i would say it's easy streamy watching for families but only around this, maybe this time
1: of year i would say fair enough um Yozzy, would you agree with me i said she was kind of, what did i call her? i said spectacular could also use the word maybe a bit she's a bit of a kick-ass heroine is is, is our cat did you feel that she was a successful heroine for 2022
2: yeah i did and I, I i i wanted a bit more of her actually because the narrative is kind of somersaulting all over the place it mm. is a very complicated film that actually as a heroine in the film I kind of, maybe selfishly, did not get enough of her. I wanted more of it. It was really great to see a young black teen in this film, at at the centre of a horror film, because we don't normally get this with these kinds of animations, and the visuals are stunning. Um, But, I, I mean, I love Henry Selick. I love Jordan Peele. So together, this should work. But for some reason... I think the plot kind of lets it down because there's just a lot happening that's just kind of thrown at you. There's a few too many side characters yeah. with important voices um, and I agree with you. I would have loved
3: to see a bit more of the main heroine but it was constantly uh, zigzagging around the small town that it's based in and the underworld um, as well. And like, there's just a lot of voices and And there's side plots as well. And I feel like uh, there's one scene in particular and it's uh, where she has to let go of her memories. And it's, I think Angela Bassett plays uh, her kind of guide throughout this, Sister Heli. And they gave a lot of attention to that scene. I just don't think there was a lot of plot to it. And I was like, there's other things I want to see. I wanted to see more of her parents. I wanted to see like, which is like a substantial relationship. It's that she's lost her parents and she's gotten them back. And I wanted to see more of that. But every time it was like something was dragging her off to the side. There were so many side quests to this. But at the same time, it it wasn't... uh, Yeah, I I agree with you completely.
2: But I'm not saying this... As in don't watch the film, I think it was still an enjoyable film to watch. It's just I'm I'm just I'm being demanding here. I just wanted no, more.
1: I think I, I think you're right in that maybe they they've got an embarrassment of riches here with the voice cast. Mm. So like you say, it's Angela Bassett, you've got James Hong, you've got Ving Ray, you know, you've got Vim Ramis, and you've you've got you've even got, um, oh, who plays the cat in Coraline, David Harewood, and Maxine Peak are even way down at the bottom playing the sort of evil the evil parents mm. of her of her yeah. schoolmate who do want to sort of close the close the um Town down or whatever. And I think you're right that there's maybe too many, to, they wanted to give them all too much time. Because I'll tell you what, I missed Key and Peel. I would have liked some more Key and yeah. Peel. There's a brilliant scene when they bring this evil, this evil kind of priest who runs the school back to life. And it's just fantastic with their kind of mortician makeup or whatever. And I could have yeah. done with more of that because they consciously they consciously look like Key and Peel. The characters look like Key and Peel. And it's part of their kind of you know comic duo shtick that they're doing in there. And I could have done with more of that. It could have made me laugh more. I was wowed as ever by the animation.
2: The animation is stunning. And it's really stunning.
1: At the very end, because their dream, Wendell and Wilde's dream, is to build like a theme park, like an, an underworld theme park, and just the gorgeousness of that with the cut paper and the colours at the very there. There is that was
2: magical. That yeah. was like, one of the highlights of the animation. For yeah, me. really, yeah. really. And and you know, a lot of people will watch this knowing that it's Key and Peel, and they're perhaps going to think that they're going to get a lot of Key and Peel. So, just be aware that that, that that's perhaps not what you're going to get but it is, spooky, it is spooky season and this is this is it's on Netflix you can watch it from your sofa
0: yes Stuart I have one question I was prompted to see if I could see this before and I didn't get around to it unfortunately this week but I have one question is it real proper stop motion animation or CGI made to look like stop motion
3: with Henry, I actually don't have the answer to this Ooh. one, and I would normally know. Um, I didn't have time. It looks, it's a I... different kind of animation to what he usually does. It looks more like like than anything. I think this is CGI, though. I don't think this okay. has the grit of a stop motion um i wanted to point out one last thing and that is uh, i've just realized james hong plays the priest that gives yeah. back to life that's his big trouble in little china makeup that they put on him he put that is <laughs> i've just made that link uh, like now the animation does make sense again i was like <laughs> that looks familiar and now that's what
2: he did they played homage to. i have to like say J- james hong is brilliant in it yeah actually.
1: There, yeah i think in answer to your question Stuart. you might be able to look it i was like, i think there are certain certain parts of it looked really stop motion there were certain bits of legs and were there there were there were, there were there there were certain costumes that looked like real fabric. Mm. Also, it has been 13 years since Henry Selleck has made a movie. So maybe that, maybe it is real stop motion. It's taken him that long. I feel that maybe like Coraline... Coraline on the, oh, Coraline on the first viewing was... was Coraline's t- like her. This is not by, that's not by Henry Selleck. Is Coraline... Coraline Henry Selleck directed Coraline? Based on a Neil Gaiman novel? Yeah, he did.
2: I think, I think it was Henry Selleck. Nightmare Before yeah.
1: Christmas and Coraline.
2: What is the Cobb's bride...
1: No, it's, we might be having a hold of another discussion right now. It's all good. I'm pretty sure I did my research. I mean, no, know you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so and, and to and Coraline obviously and The Nightmare Before Christmas are films that I have rewatched and rewatched and rewatched. I'm not sure about this one. I'm not sure if it's gonna stand up to, to constant rewatches, but I'm hoping that maybe with rewatches I'll I'll be able the, the story will settle down for me. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I think so. I think it does need a rewatch. It's I mean, I Nightmare Before Christmas is one of my favourite films of all time. I think Car- Coraline, we were talking about spooky shout outs, I don't think we're gonna get time, but if we is Coraline is a genius. Yeah. And I think this could get there it's not quite the same but i i would still recommend it as a as a halloween watch
1: for sure it's a certificate pg-13 wendell and wild and it is streaming on netflix well thanks for sticking up sticking with us for this hour here is our last film for today and we have saved the horror and vicky's solo watch for the very end
3: Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah? This is 476 Barbary, right?
0: Yeah, I'm renting this place.
3: No, I booked it a month ago.
0: Are you sure you have the right place?
3: Yeah. What am we supposed to do? Why
0: don't you come inside, and we'll call these idiots.
3: Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry, and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom, and I'll sleep out here on the couch.
1: That was some of the trailer for Barbarian, a debut cinematic feature from Zach Kregger, who was a bit of a triple threatenist because he wrote, directed and appears in it. Alongside British actress Georgina Campbell, who we heard there playing Tess, who turns up at an Airbnb she's booked in Detroit, only to find it's been double booked by the slightly creepy Keith, played by Pennywise himself, because we're sticking with the Halloween theme, uh, Bill which would make me maybe a little bit suspicious to start with. Is this a double booking or Vicky? Is there something more sinister afoot? I'd like to say watch this in an empty cinema alone. <laughs> so um, and this
3: is everything I wanted it to be. Uh, the US release was a few months ago, and it just um, this hasn't been spoiled by the what is the Twitter like film universe. Um, it just got incredible reviews, and that was that. And so this film's been like an absolute mystery. In saying that. Um, when I went into it, I was just had a lot of hype for it, and it absolutely delivers. Uh, the main actress, Georgina Campbell, I didn't recognise because she d- she's lost her English accent in this, but she was in All My Friends Hate Me, which came out earlier in the year, and she's brilliant. Um, so, and then, Bill Skarsgård, I expected. Um, Obviously, it's kind of debuted that he's like the main guy. And that just may not be the truth because the main guy is actually Justin Long in this. And he is incredible. He is funny. He is dark. And um, he's everything that's kind of del- like he's had some weird performances in the past. But this is definitely one of the funniest ones he's done in a while.
1: Um yeah right we really are running out of time we've literally look got 30 it. seconds left is it super scary or is it scary funny or is it both super I, scary this is a super scary film okay <laughs> I am I I am super excited about this I must admit I, I, I really am it looks like we're not look Look at that we've done so well Vicky's giving Barbarian but it's a civil 18 is it's that, an 18 it is that right an and so does Absolutely. it deserve that yeah okay right we've got 30 seconds we won't play a song we're just going to whip round very quickly I'm going to say this Halloween treat yourself to Ty West X, which came out, which is that kind of um, homage to the uh, to Chainsaw, Chainsaw Masque. Again, very rightly in eighteen. But if you want something really scary and really creepy, go for that. You'll see. Any tips?
2: I'm a wimp, so I'm going to choose something like Coraline, I think, for Halloween. Over the Garden Wall. It's a fun animation.
0: Uh, again, also not a big horror fan for Halloween themed <laughs> question. Um, see, watch watched Batman. It's got bats in it.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> Goodbye. Cambridge 105 Radio